Good morning. Hey, let's pray together. Father, now we want to open your word. And for some of us, it's been kind of a busy weekend. Uh, yesterday was a, a sweet time, but a sorrowful time. Time of rejoicing, a time of weeping. And uh, Lord, I know for some of us, it just kind of feels like, phew, it's been, uh, it's been busy, but it's been good. And I thank you now that we have this time to gather around your word, Lord, because you're the one we need to hear from. And we need to meet with you, and we need to listen to you, and we need to pay attention. So, Lord, will you please take all the other thoughts that might be distracting us, all the other concerns. Will you help us now have ears to hear and hearts to listen and respond? Uh, We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's a little uh, life wisdom for you. Just because something seems important doesn't mean that it is. And just because something doesn't seem important doesn't mean that it isn't. I have received envelopes in the mail that seemed very important. They're covered with words like urgent. (laughs) Open immediately. Time-sensitive documents. Like the one on the screen. You ever seen that? Doesn't that look important? Well, if you've ever opened one, you know it isn't. Because you open it up, I've opened these, and they look so important, and I open them up, and there's nothing inside except a sales pitch for something I don't want. Looked important, really wasn't. On the other hand, I've, I've received envelopes in the mail that look very plain, very non-important, and then open them up to discover something inside that was very important indeed, you know, maybe some important financial document that I was expecting or or some important account information. And so they, they don't want anybody to steal it, so they make it look as unimportant, as unimpressive as possible. Doesn't look important, but it is. So just because something seems important doesn't mean it is. Just because something doesn't seem important doesn't mean that it isn't. Well, we got that? Okay. I was thinking about how true this is when it comes to God. To a lot of people, God doesn't seem important. And they may not say that, but because of how they live, that's kind of, it proves what they really think. Because they really, they go through their life, they don't really think about him. They don't make any effort to, to know him or learn about him. Don't really seem to care what he wants. And they, they pretty much live their lives as if he doesn't exist. Or, or if he does exist, he, he doesn't really matter that much. He, he's, he makes no difference. Now, contrast that attitude toward God to what the Apostle Paul says in Acts chapter 17, verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples built by hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life 
and breath and everything else. Now, according to this, God is not only important, he is supremely important. He made us. He made our world. He is Lord, master of heaven and earth. And he gives us life and breath and everything. Just think about that statement. Life and breath. How important are those? How important are life and breath? Pretty important. Where do they come from? God. God gives them. In fact, everything we have ultimately comes from God. So that means God matters more than anything else. And we've been journeying our way through the book of Ephesians, and one of uh, the big thing that we're seeing here is that this God who matters more than anything else, this God has a plan for our lives and for this world, and his plan matters more than any other plan, his plan really matters, even if, to many people, it seems like it doesn't. And that is especially true of two things we're going to look at today. These two things seem way less important than many other things to a lot of people. And yet, these two things will outlast everything else and will make a bigger difference than everything else. So, if you and I want to live our lives, if we want to give our lives to that which really matters, then we need to make sure that our lives reflect the importance of these two things. Okay, take a look with me. We're in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning verse 1 down through verse 13. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, because Paul was in prison when he wrote this, and it's interesting, uh, he was imprisoned by the Roman government. But notice he doesn't say the prisoner of Rome. He says the prisoner of Christ Jesus, because ultimately he knew who was really in charge. The prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, okay, Gentiles or anyone who's not Jewish, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel... The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, 
who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Okay, two things, two things that matter most in this world, regardless of appearances. First, the gospel, the gospel is the message that matters most. The gospel is the message that matters most. We live in a world of many, many messages. And in addition to direct mail, like we saw earlier, you turn on the TV, turn on the radio, go online, pick up a newspaper, pick up a magazine, you will be bombarded with messages, you know? Go green, lose weight, eat healthy, stop smoking, vote for this guy, he's great, don't vote for that guy, he's a jerk, (laughs) buy this, wear that, support this, protest that, on and on it goes, hundreds of messages, thousands of messages, okay, but how many of those messages really matter in the long run? Which of the endless messages that, that clamor for our attention should we really be paying close attention to? The climate change message, the low-fat, high-fiber message, a message on how to fix the economy, how to restore America, how to keep Iran from getting nuclear weapons, how to prevent bullying, how to uh, end human trafficking, child abuse, breast cancer, tobacco addiction, on and on and on. There are so many messages out there. And some of them are important. But of all the messages circulating in our world, only one is most important. The gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. That's the message that Paul and the other apostles gave their lives to proclaim. That's the message that countless missionaries have taken around the world. And that is the message that we as a church want to share with as many people as possible. Why? Why is it so important? Because it's God's message. It's God's message. That's what these verses are saying. They're saying that that this is the most important message in the world because it didn't come from Paul. Or, or any other man. It was no clever salesman, no you know, influential politician, no philosopher dreamed this up. This message is from God. Verse 3, Paul talks about the mystery made known to him by revelation. It was revealed to him. Uh, Verse 5, which was not made known to men in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets, of which Paul was one. Verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace. Do you hear what he's saying? 
Do you hear it? It's not his message. It's not his. He didn't discover it with some flash of brilliant insight. He didn't figure it out. He didn't invent it. He received it. He received it. It's God's message. And it's not just from God. This message actually reveals God. Now, if you hear that and you think, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, the gospel reveals God. Okay, just stop and think about what we're saying. Stop and think about that. This gospel reveals God. Does that just blow your mind? We've got to get this. Because this is the reason this this message matters more than any other message. This gospel is God making himself knowable. Jesus came so we could know God. Look at John 1.18. No one has ever seen God. But God, the one and only... If you go back there to John chapter 1 and read the context, it's clear who Jesus is talk, or who uh, the gospel writer John is talking about. He means Jesus. When he says God the one and only, he's talking about Jesus, the one who was in the beginning with God, the one who has always been God, the one who became flesh and dwelt among us to display the glory of God, so we could see His glory. God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, listen, has made Him known. This is what the gospel of Jesus is. It's God making Himself known, knowable, through the life, the the death and resurrection of Jesus. God makes Himself known. And Paul says... That proclaiming this message is proclaiming the unsearchable riches of Christ. Think about that. Think about what that says. This means that the truth of who Jesus is, the truth of who he is, and the truth of what he did, and the truth of what he has promised, that truth is so huge and so valuable, it's like a treasure so big you can't count it all. When I was a kid, I used to, you know, read these uh, comic books, the Disney. And there's this guy, Scrooge McDuck. You know Scrooge? And he's always got these mansions and rooms and rooms and rooms filled with gold coins. You know, he's just in there swimming in the gold coins and playing in the gold coin. I mean, just vast rooms of treasure, okay? You can't count it all. So that's kind of what Paul's saying. He didn't know Scrooge, but that idea, unsearchable riches. It's kind of like if you were to take our national debt, and if it were a national surplus, and you tried to count it all, you couldn't. You just couldn't. Jesus 
the treasure of who Jesus is is unsearchable. Jesus is way greater than we think. He is so much greater. What if I could tell you, what if I had a message where I could tell you how you could find a million dollars free for the taking? Or what if, what if I could uh, guide you to a spring of water that was an actual honest-to-goodness fountain of youth and it would give perfect health to whoever would drink it? Or what if I could explain to you the secret to ultimate lasting happiness? Would any of those messages be worth knowing? Well, what if instead, what if instead I could tell you how you could know God? And you could have a relationship with Him that will last forever. And He will give you all of the wealth and health and happiness you could ever want when his plan is ultimately fulfilled. And right now, you can have forgiveness for all of your wrongs, all of your blow-its, all of your sin, and you could have, you could know, you could experience a love that will never let you go, that will never let you down, And you can have the wisdom and the strength to make a difference in this world for good. What if I had that message? Would that be worth knowing? Would that be so much greater than any other message? That's the message we have. That's the message of the gospel. It tells us that in knowing Jesus, we know God. And we can connect to him. And in spite of all of our mistakes, in spite of all of our terrible thoughts, in spite of all of our loving actions, we can know God because Jesus took the guilt, our guilt, upon himself when he died on that cross. And look at verse 12. In him, in Christ, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I tell you, it always, it always, it just, to, to say things like this always just feels like, yeah, this is so much bigger than it, it just, it, and it lands on us lightly because we've heard it, you know? And it's like, it shouldn't land lightly. It should land like a ton of bricks in a good way, whatever that means. <laughs> this truth is so amazing. And so glorious that you can approach God with freedom and confidence. You don't deserve to be able to do that. I don't deserve to be able to do that. Nobody does. And yet, because of Christ, because of the gospel, through faith in him, I can go to God with freedom and confidence that he's going to listen to me and that he cares about what I care about. That is just incredible. This gospel connects us to Jesus, and in Jesus we gain the greatest possible future and the most meaningful life now. The gospel is the most important message because it tells us that which is most worth knowing.
Here's the other thing that matters most. The church. The church is the people who matter most. The church is the people who matter most. One of the big lessons of Ephesians is that through Christ, God is creating a new humanity, a new human race, so to speak, a new community of people. And what unites them, what connects them, is not nationality, not blood, not culture, not religious heritage or tradition, or any of the things that characterize the old humanity, any of the other things that, that unredeemed humanity, natural humanity clusters around, none of those things. This new humanity is made up of people who share one thing in common, a genuine relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the common denominator. That's the connection. They have been reconciled to God. They have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And they have been set apart for God's purposes. They are the people of God from every tribe, tongue, and nation. They are the family of God who call upon Him as Father. They are the temple of God in whom God dwells by His Spirit. They are the church of Jesus Christ. And everything, listen to this, everything that God intends to do in this world, He intends to accomplish through these people. So in God's eyes, if we are part of this, if we are part of this community, this new humanity, if we are part of the church, we are the most important people on the planet. Because God chose us to carry out His plan. <laughs> but I don't think most Christians think like this. I don't think most of us think of ourselves this way. See, for many Christians, faith in Jesus is a very individual thing. Yeah, it's, it's me and Jesus. Right? And it, church, church is a place you go. Or it's an activity that you attend. It's not really a people to whom you belong. And I, I hear this all the time. Because I hear people say, well, wh what church do you go to? Or what church do you attend? And I know what they mean, okay? I try not to be a jerk about it. But, <laughs> but it's not a biblical way of talking. I, I just so wish we could, we could, including myself, we could learn to talk about the church in a biblical way. Church is not something you attend. Church is what we are. We don't go to church. We are church. We are a church. We are a people, a group of people who have been rescued from the destiny we deserved. And we have been put together in order to pursue a completely different destiny to fulfill the purposes of God in this world. And the purposes of God are so much bigger and so much greater 
than we typically think. Look at verse 10. God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. This is wild. Do you know who these rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms are? These are supernatural beings that you can't see. These are angelic beings, probably fallen angels. We're going to get more about them when we get to chapter 6. But they're out there, and they're watching us. And God is working in us and through us to demonstrate to these rulers and authorities his manifold wisdom. In other words, follow this. When we are who the church is supposed to be, and when we do what the church is supposed to do, we prove to these beings that God is wise. That God is wise. It proves that God was wise in sending His Son, Jesus, to reconcile us to God and to reconcile us to one another. It proves that God was wise to save us through grace, by grace, through faith, apart from our performance. It proves that God was wise in creating a new humanity in which race and nationality and religious heritage are irrelevant. Because what unites us is Jesus, and He is so much greater than all those other things. This is wild. It, it is just so easy for us to think that church is all about us. Isn't it? You know, it's, it's all about meeting our needs. It's all about addressing our concerns. It's all about singing our music. It's all about good programs for our families. It's all about doing the things that we want to do. And it's not as if our needs don't matter, but God's got a goal for us. God's got a mission for us that's so much bigger than us. The church is God's thing. It's God's thing. I can't tell you how many book titles I've looked at and articles I've read and comments I've heard from people that just belittle the church constantly. As if it's our idea and it's a bad one. Because you get all these people. And so people are constantly wanting to do something other than church. Oh, let's don't hang around with all that diversity. Let's just, you know, get the people that we like together. Or, or uh, let, let's figure out a program that really works because the church, man, it's inefficient. You bet it's inefficient. Because we're just a bunch of yahoos, a bunch of sinners who are united by the grace of Jesus Christ. You know what? Efficiency is not God's number one priority in this world. It isn't. You know how character is built? God is going to make you, if you put your trust in Christ, he's got an agenda for you. That's to become like his son, Jesus. How does that happen? Efficiency doesn't do that. Inefficiency does. Because you drive, you're driving each other crazy, or the program's not working, things are going, what do you do? You get on your knees and you depend on God. Hey, 
there may be something to that. God's got this mission. He's got this purpose. It's so much bigger than us. The church is God's thing. It's not our thing. And you know, even people who love the church may not realize how important the church is to God. Look at verse 11. God says, it says here in verse 11, that God's plan for the church is according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. His eternal purpose. That's why we're here. We're not just some social club. We're not some civic organization. We are the people of God here to fulfill his eternal purpose. And if that that doesn't make you just feel completely humbled and totally overwhelmed, I respectfully submit that you don't get it. We need to grasp who God says we are. We need to grasp who God says we are. And then, and then, in complete, utter dependence upon God, because there is no way we can be or do what God wants us to be and do in our own strength. In utter dependence on Him, then we need to live out this amazing purpose that God has for us. And what is it? Okay? It is to display to whoever's watching, to display the, how wise, how good God is. That's our purpose, to display how good God is. You know, that makes us really important. And I don't mean in a, in a proud way, in a superiority way, oh yeah, we're more important than other people. That's not what it means. Okay. important in this way. We have a huge responsibility. We have the most important responsibility on the planet. You know, when people think of who's really important in this world, who do they think of? Who's really important? Powerful people. You know, national leaders, influential politicians, corporate executives, or we think of popular people, celebrities, entertainers, big-name athletes. But when God thinks of who's really important in this world... He thinks of people like you and me. People with simple faith in Jesus Christ who trust him enough to believe his promises and follow his directions. People who believe the gospel, the most important message in the world, are the most important people in the world. And listen, this coming week, you're going to be watched. We're going to be watched. The rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, who we know very little about, are going to be watching this week to see if we really believe this. They're going to be watching to see, will we live as if the gospel really is the most important message? Will we live as if the church really is the most important people on the planet? Because if those things truly are most important, then our lives ought to reflect that. I mean, think about it. When we gather, when we group together to study the Word of God, to pray, to to depend on Him, when we together, as a big group or smaller groups or teams, 
seek to do, to carry out God's plan for this world, in all of those things, what we're about, what we're supposed to be about, is to display that God is wise and God is good. That's a lot bigger than we often think. So let's pray and let's ask God to keep our minds where they ought to be. To value what he values, to consider important what he considers important. Father, I confess it is so easy for my thinking to get so small. And Lord, I think about neighbors, I think about other people who it just seems like they don't care about the gospel. They don't want to know it. And I forget, I lose sight of how important this message is, how, how vital it is that everybody hears this. And I think of the church and I, my thinking about the church gets very small. And Lord, you have put us here to carry out the most important mission ever. So God, will you just, will you, will you lift our thinking? Will you use this truth, the truth of your word, to just help us see how important the gospel, how important the church are to you? And help us carry that with us this coming week. We pray in Jesus' name.